Well, this morning, brothers and sisters, is our last in our series on courage. We are in the final leg of that series. We are talking about the last courage that we will talk about at this time. And it's interesting because the passage we're going to focus on is a Psalm of David. But even though David's circumstance and Jesus' circumstance uh, on the day of Palm Sunday seem very different on the surface, in reality, they are not very different. And in both cases, David and Jesus needed to cultivate courage to face what they needed to face. Now, we're going to look, first of all, we're going to look at Psalm 56. Psalm 56. Uh, We're going to read the whole thing if if that's manageable. Jonathan, I'm going to throw a couple curveballs at you uh, because, you know, I love you. So why not? Um, We're also going to look uh, a little bit later at um, John chapter 12, verses 12 to um, 19, just to give you a heads up. So Psalm 56, the whole thing, and then John chapter 12, verses 12 to 19. So first of all, in uh, Psalm 56, Psalm 56 Uh, We see in the very beginning of Psalm 56, uh, perhaps it says in your pew Bibles, it says that it is for the director of music to the tune of a dove on distant oaks of David, a mictum, when the Philistines had seized him in Gath. Now, I have no idea what the tune of a dove on distant oaks was. I don't think anybody does, but there you go. Uh, when the Philistines had, um, had uh, seized him in Gath, that is a reference to 2 Samuel when David, um, David is fleeing from Saul. David is fleeing from Saul and, and, and he comes to um, the Philistines and the Philistines sort of realize who he is and they go, isn't this David? Isn't, the guy, isn't this the guy who killed all kinds of Philistines, right? Maybe the Philistines are not going to be thrilled about the guy who killed all kinds of Philistines, right? And so they they say, what are we going to do with this guy? And David, being afraid, being very afraid of, of not only Saul, but also of the Philistines, he he pretends insanity, right? So he pretends to be insane. And it is during this time that he writes this psalm. And we read it here. Be merciful to me, my God. My, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust. In you, in God, whose word I praise, in God, I trust and am not afraid. All day long, they twist my words. All their schemes are for my ruin. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life because of their wickedness. Do not let them escape. In your anger, God, bring the nations down. Record my misery 
list my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this I will know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can man do to me? I am under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. The word of the Lord. We're going to focus uh, as we move on in, in uh, on those uh, verses three and four, which go, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise in God, I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? But before we go there, we want to look at Jesus situation in uh, in the triumphal entry. And for that, we're looking at John, the Gospel of John. Jesus comes to Jerusalem on as the King in John chapter 12, verse 12 to 19. While Jonathan gets that going, I'll just do a little bit of this. I, By the way, I wouldn't recommend shaking hands with me after the service. I love you all. I know you love me, so you don't need to shake my hands today. John chapter 12, verse 12. The next day, the great crowd, um, this is, sorry, the next day, this is just after, um, just after Jesus has, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead uh, just a little while before. And then after that, a whole bunch of people are coming to find this guy, Jesus, who has raised someone from the dead. And so uh, they... They come to find him, and the and the the Pharisees are not very, very, very pleased about this. And just in the verse, or in a couple of verses before this, verse ten, so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on behalf, on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. And, and I don't know what Lazarus said. As a matter of fact, we don't we don't really have any significant amount of words that Lazarus ever says. He doesn't, yeah, he's, he seems to be a pretty quiet dude. But nonetheless, the testimony of being alive after you were dead is probably a pretty powerful testimony. So um, lots of people are wanting to to hear from him. And, uh, and so he tells them, you know, something along the lines of, I, I don't know, I love Jesus. He raised me from the dead. There you go. Right? Anyways, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival, this is, uh, you know, the Passover festival, right? The great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He was coming, (coughs) excuse me, from Bethany, um, which is sort of, um, Jerusalem is on some hills over uh, a little bit to the west. And Bethany is sort of on some hills over to the east a little bit. And there's a valley in between. And so Jesus was coming in um, from Bethany to um, Jerusalem that day, sort of through the valley and up into Jerusalem. 
They took palm branches when they heard that he was coming. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things that had been, that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. The word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know if you remember, but earlier in Jesus' ministry, Jesus performed some incredible miracles, including uh, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, which is actually probably closer to 15,000, because in the Gospel of John, uh, the 5,000 that are recorded are, are men. And so he's not necessarily including all the women and children and so on. But anyways, after Jesus performs that miracle and the miracle where he walks on water, there are people who want to force him to become king. They want to force him to become king. In contrast, of course, David is running away from a king who wants to, well, off with his head, so to speak. But they both have significant problems facing them because Jesus, Jesus knows he doesn't want to become the kind of king that they want him to become. And David doesn't want his head chopped off. And so they both have to trust in somebody. And really ultimate, ultimately cultivating courage comes down to one key decision. One key decision that we have to make over and over and over again. And it is the decision to trust God. Can I bore you, Eli? Awesome. Do you trust me? Okay, come on up. How much do you trust me? I'll try not to give your face away from me so I don't sneeze on you or anything. All right, now, uh, how about you put your hands like this? Yeah, good, okay, excellent. You good? Yeah, okay. So now, um, if if I were to invite you to just fall backwards and trust me that I'm going to catch you, how would you how would you feel about that? You would trust me? All right, I, that's awesome. Why don't you do that then? Okay, yeah, go for it. Excellent, good, good, yes, excellent. Would you Would you trust me if I let you fall further? Yeah, probably. Okay, let's do that then. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Okay. One more time. Even further. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> He's a very trusting fellow. <laughs> you have to make sure I'm ready, though. <laughs> you can't just fall anytime you want. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> good. 
Awesome. Thank you very much. Maybe you should teach him to be a little less trusting. <laughs> right? We, we have choices that we have to make about trusting, right? We make all kinds of choices about trusting. You are trusting right now that the pew you are sitting in is going to work, that it's going to hold you up. That is not just going to suddenly dissolve into nothingness and you fall on your butts on the ground, right? Now, it's not a very, very big trust thing because, because we have done this many, many times and the pew has never dissolved and let us fall on the ground. So we're safe. We're good. It's fine, right? And, and Eli, you know, he knows me. We've known each other for eight years or so, right? He knows, I think. That he can trust me for the most part. Obviously, he thinks he can, right? But it gets tougher when we're facing bigger things, right? Think about your son or daughter, right? This is something that happens to parents all the time, right? Your kids, they grow up, you know, they're, they're like... They're learning to walk and you're like, ooh, that's so awesome. That's fantastic. And you trust them a little bit, right? They, they get a little bit older and you're starting to trust them with picking out their own clothes, right? And sometimes they pick out terrible clothes, but it's okay. It's only clothes, right? It's fine. And then they get a little bit older and, and you're going to trust them to have a sleepover or to go over to somebody else's house and have a sleepover and behave nicely and say, please and thank you and all that kind of stuff. And then they get a little bit older, right? <laughs> and they, they, they get old enough that they hit puberty, and then we're like, okay, we don't trust you at all anymore, <laughs> right? Or, or they, they, get a, they get their license and you're like, no, 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 don't trust you at all. <laughs> yeah, okay, staying out till midnight or later, no, no, right? But of course, that's not how it's really supposed to work, right? Your kids are supposed to grow up and hopefully... You are equipping them with all the tools they need to make the choices that they need to make in an adult world, hopefully well, right? And, and you're going to have to trust them sometime or another. Either you are going to willingly trust them and, 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 and allow them to make their choices, or they will eventually rebel against you and leave and make their choices anyways. Right? That's just the way it goes. But it gets so much harder when the consequences seem so much bigger. And so too it is for us and God, perhaps. Right? I... I Trust almost to the point of taking for granted that the sun will come up and that the sun will go down. And I trust almost to the point of taking it for granted that for me, I will have food today. For me, I live in a privileged society and I have enough money for these things. And so, yes, I thank God for my daily bread, but I don't really expect that it's going to be a problem. I trust him 
or maybe, maybe I just take it for granted. But then when it comes to the really big things, I trust you, God, to take care of my children when they go away from you from me for university or college or or I trust you God I, I hear you saying that you want me to quit this job and head into a new job um, I uh, I trust you that that you're going to work out the details of that or um, people are screaming literally for my head um, and so David says, I trust you, God. Or people are wanting, thinking that they want to make you into a king, but you know it's the wrong kind of king. And you know that when they finally realize that you don't want to be that kind of king, then they too will be screaming for your head. And you say, as Jesus did, does, I trust you. God. But really, it's all about that choice, isn't it? To trust. I'm going to choose in this moment to trust you, God. And, and you might have to choose to trust God again in a couple seconds and in a couple more seconds or whatever, you might have to choose to trust God over and over and over again. And honestly, you are going to have to trust God. But that's really the crux of cultivating courage. Is making the choice just as Jesus does perfectly, flawlessly throughout his whole life, even to the point of saying to his Father in heaven, yet not my will, but your will be done. Right? Jesus is pleading with God in the Garden of Gethsemane, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. I trust. Or whether you're David and you're so afraid that you're pretending to be insane to an enemy king so that your supposed ally of a king doesn't come in and chop your head off. And you say, I trust you, God. That's a hard one. That's a hard one, but it is ultimately the one that matters the most. It is the one that matters the most. What does our Heidelberg Catechism question and answer one say? What is my only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And it carries on from there. I, I'm not mine. I don't belong to me. I belong to God. I can do anything if I trust in Him because I am His. I 
am his. Brothers and sisters, it doesn't, you know this, it doesn't mean that everything seems to work out, at least in this world, in the way that, that the world would tell us is good. It doesn't necessarily mean that Pete's cancer will be cured in this life. It doesn't necessarily mean that, that everything will work out super awesome at Meadowvale for, for us. I, I hope so. I hope Pete's cancer is cured. I, hope, I, I, I want Case to be right as rain. I want um, Henny and Sue to, to be in remission at least, if not totally cured. We, we want, all of us want these good things. But it doesn't always work out that way from the world's perspective. But we make the choice to trust in God. And doing so, we can take the next step. I trust you, God. See, courage is not really about not being afraid. Courage is really about who you trust. We trust God. And that means that we can have courage. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, thank you so very much that, that both David in his own way and you, Jesus, in the perfect way, showed us the ultimate core of courage, which is choosing to trust in you, God. Choosing to trust in You for the small things. Choosing to trust in You for the big things. Choosing to trust in You uh, in the scary things. Lord, You, You above all are trustworthy. And so, Lord, we during this difficult time in this world where the whole world seems to be in turmoil and struggling, we put our trust in You. Lord, give us the courage to make that next step rooted in our trust of our loving and holy and righteous and just and merciful and gracious God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.